0: Today, we're going to wrap up a series we've been in literally for all of 2020, okay? This is week eight. We thank you for uh, hanging with us through all of this. And it's been so fun to kind of take through this series of really asking the question how do we make the most of this decade? How do we make the most of the time that God has given us? And, And really taking a filter, one of the best that God gave us in all of Scripture, this harvest principle filter that is given to us from Genesis to Revelation. That really helps us to ask the question, you know, as we get into the harvest principles and simply put is we reap what we sow. So we're taking this harvest principle and we're we're looking at all these different areas of our life and essentially the harvest principle just assumes this relationship or correlation between our decisions that we make in our life or like seeds that we plant and the outcome of our life. That The decisions that you make, the decisions that I make are going to determine the future just like the decisions of the past have presented and created your current present, okay? So it's really powerful as we begin to look to the future. It's like God has given us this window into the future to be able to predict the future. You can predict the future by simply asking, what am I sowing now, beginning to say, what am I sowing? And that's what we've been doing over the last eight weeks. We're really just looking at, we looked at our belief system, we looked at our habits, we looked at our relationships, our friendships with other people. We looked at our dreams and we looked at our thought life and the battleground of our thought life, our words and how powerful words are. And then uh, today we're going to take this question and look at the priority list of your life. Because this is really a great way to sort of bring it all together because we all have things that we would say are important, that are priorities to us, um, that we would say, hey, this is a priority. And really, we're talking about sowing the seeds of priorities in our life. And we all, we all have those things, and um, we have basically, uh, what, what makes that so important is the fact that many times our priorities that we state are different than the ones we actually live. In other words, there's a misalignment between what we say is actually really important and what we do that is really important. Now, let me give you an illustration. Let's think about like you're on an airline, you know, you're on this new plane that just came out with and it has a state of the art engine on it it's like the best in the industry it's amazing and you 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 sit in the chairs and you're like I can't even believe like if you're taller like me like big like comfortable chairs is really important right especially when the the person in front of you is not like touching your knees. I have to sometimes, I hate it. Like, I'm so sorry, can you lift your chair? Like, I'm stuck in here, right? This is not good. But anyway, but let's say the chair, there's lots of room. There's like, it's big and comfy. And you're like, I can't even believe these chairs are on an airline. Like, this is crazy. This is amazing. And then when they bring out the food, it's like these culinary treats that are just exploding on your palate. You just can't believe how good the food is. It's incredible. But let's say the same plane doesn't have a guidance system that's connected to the satellite that is being directed by air traffic controllers in a tower somewhere that are going to keep you on the right path. You do not want to be on that plane, right? Because there is no way you're going to be able to arrive at your your desired destination. You don't know where that plane's going to land. They're just looking for an airstrip somewhere. I guess it's time to land, we're about to run out of gas. So they don't know. In the same way, we don't want to go through life without a guidance system either that's helping us. And in the same way, the plane needs a guidance system in order to arrive at its desired destination. So we need a guidance system in order to arrive at our God-given destiny for this life. We need God's help, and we're going to talk about how He is involved in that process today. But there are people, just like that plane analogy that are knocking it out of the park, that look like they, they, they've got the most luxury you can imagine. They, they post pictures on Instagram that make you jealous. Like It looks like they're living large or eating wonderful things. They've got, they're, they've got a powerful engine pushing up. They're, they've got power. They've got all the good stuff. They look great. And we even envy people like that. But if you knew the story behind the story, they don't know where they're going. They don't know where the destination... They don't really have continuity with a set of priorities that are actually guiding their life many times. It reminds me of a story I came across recently about the Roman Emperor Charlemagne. There's a fascinating story around his death. Here's a picture that was taken with one of the first iPhones, I think, uh, Charlemagne, back in AD 600, somewhere around there. Um, But anyway... Yeah, Charlemagne had this interesting dying wish. He told his subjects, okay, when I die, I want you to bury me literally sitting in my throne. Here he is on his throne right here. I want want to be in my throne. I want to have all my royal robes on. I want my cape around my neck. I want my scepter in my right hand. And I want a book laid across my lap, right? So, 200 years go by after his death, and that was in uh, AD 60, uh, uh, 614, and 200 years roughly go by, and the Roman emperor Otto, O-T-T-O, is curious. Did they, in fact, bury Charlemagne the way he had requested? So, he gets a team of men. Um, it, he sends a team of men to go and check and make a full report, like open up his tomb and see if that's how he was buried. And of course, they opened the tomb. And sure enough, as you can imagine, it's 200 years later. So he is decomposed. It's grotesque. It's gross. But in fact, they said he was buried just like he wanted. He's sitting there in his throne. He's got all his royal robes. Of course, they're kind of eaten by moths. His his, his crown is pretty tilted at this point. You know, the, the scepter is still there. And across his skeletal legs laid a book that he requested. He was the Bible. And in the Bible, with his left hand free, his bony finger is pointing to a verse of Scripture that was a haunting question by Jesus. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 26, wouldn't you like to know what the verse says? Here's what it says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, and arguably this guy was the most powerful guy in the world, most wealthy in the world, to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Arguably one of the most haunting, thought-provoking questions that Jesus asked, that we should be asking right down to this day, and we're going to circle back to that question, these two questions and a little bit later in the message. But I want you to think about this question for a minute. Because the irony of how Charlemagne was buried, here he was with all of his wealth, surrounded by gold and jewels and all of his things and all these symbols of power all over him, right? Covered in it. But he couldn't take it with him. He tried. He couldn't take it with him. And there it was. And here he is, a walking discre- a walking contradiction, let's say, a sitting contradiction, right, of what he's trying to warn all those who came after him, right down to us today, trying to warn that, what can you exchange for your soul? But it did not match up with how he lived or even how he died. It was this contradiction. It was this mocking discrepancy between how he lived and how he died and what he's, the message he's trying to send to everybody else. And it's such an important question for us to ask right now to this day because what happened to Charlemagne happens to most people. What they say is important is different from how they live. And the question I want us to ask today, and I want you to think about this, your, do your priorities line up with how you live? Do your priorities line up with how you live? Now, if I had a one-on-one conversation with you, and I sat down and I asked you this question, hey, what do you think? Do you think your priorities line up with how you live? Your answer to me would probably be something like, okay, well, I think my priorities line up with how I live most of the time. You know my response would be? You're wrong. You're actually, your life how you actually live lines up with your priority 100% of the time. That what you actually value in this life, what you actually prioritize in this life always gets done, period. It may not always be what you say it is, but your priorities always get done. In other words, everybody... And I mean everybody is priority driven. Everybody is values driven. Everybody is. The the problem is that a lot of people have no idea what they actually value or what they actually, they don't want to admit it. Maybe they're ashamed of admitting what there is actually a priority to them, what is actually important, but today we have an opportunity to bring those things into alignment, to make them match, to have integrity in your life. Wouldn't that be wonderful to say, I actually am living according to what I really believe to be most important. But this is a struggle. I don't care how powerful you are, how wealthy, how intelligent, how educated you are. Every human being, for as long as there's been human beings and as long as there will be human beings, are going to struggle and have to fight with this inside. And Jesus knew this about us. And in the sixth chapter of the same gospel, gospel of Matthew, Jesus begins to unpack for us all of the things that we tend that tend to fight for first place in our life, that tend to fight for those top positions of priority in our life. And he boils it all down for us into verse 33, and Jesus shows us, he says, "Let me help you fill in the first blank." right He says, "What should be first?" And here's what he says, and let's read these highlight if you would help me with a highlighted of words, but seek." first his kingdom. And just to be clear, his, he's referring to God. All throughout this passage, he's been talking about God and God and God, and this is what God wants, and this is what he's designed you to be. This is what, how he created you. He says, but seek first his kingdom. In other words, if you're going to be a follower of me, Jesus is saying, you're a new citizen in a new country, and, and, and you are a part of a kingdom that has a very definite king, and the king is God Almighty. God the Father, and He has a whole new economic system that He wants you to adopt. In other words, every economy places value on certain things, and it, it, basically, it helps us to know, here's what's really valuable, and this is not so much invaluable anymore. And, and in God's economy, He helps us to see, I want you to place huge value on your relationship with me, and how you treat other people And I want you to begin to love others as I have loved you. And it's going to be a real challenge, but I'm going to work through and in your life through this process. But seek first his kingdom and his, let's say it together, his righteousness. This is the character of God. He's saying, I want you to take the character of God, his nature, and I want you to begin to use it as a pattern for living in your own life. The character of God becomes a pattern for living for us. Your citizenship is in heaven. You're following him as king. Him and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, all these other things that I've listed to you that you worry about, you're concerned about, and you're, you're, you know, it consumes your thoughts, and you, and you tend to have anxiety attacks over these things. He says, if you'll just seek first his kingdom and his righteousness all these other things. God will make sure you get covered on these other things. He will take care of them. And Jesus is showing us. He says, listen, I understand. Your priorities get out of whack. Like, this happens to everybody. But here's what's beautiful about what Jesus is saying. He's challenging us to change our priorities. He's saying, I get it, man. I, like, everybody has priorities that are not in sync with how they live. But guess what? you can do something about it. Like this is something you can actually change and I'll help you do it. Jesus is showing us that priorities can change and when they do, we change. It is one of the fastest, most powerful ways for us to see transformation from the inside out in our life. That we can change, but it's gonna happen when we begin to say, God, I need your help to begin to adopt different priorities. And this happens in every area of our life. Just like if somebody is trying to get healthier and they change priorities in terms of their diet. Well, they will literally have a physiological change. It will change who they are because the priorities have shifted. In a very similar way, when we change our spiritual diet and we say, I'm going to begin to go to God more often. I'm going to make more time for Him. I'm going to be trying to make more time for His Word. And it will radically begin to change the character and the pattern of behavior in our life to begin to align with the righteousness of God. It really, there'll be a hunger to want to be closer to Him. It's interesting, David in the Old Testament, one of the most famous kings of all of Israel's history, he tells us that, how this happened for him. And he says, and this can be your story too. He says, listen, in, in Psalm 37, verse 4, he says, take delight, let's say it together actually, take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This word delight literally means to express exuberant joy in the presence of somebody. And the only way you can do that is if you have a relationship with them. You have history with them. You know them. You have knowledge about them. David is clear about this, that as we come to know greater knowledge about how much God loves us, how much He cares for us, how much He is watchful over every aspect of our life, It will make us have greater joy as we approach Him. It will make us feel delight. And when we begin to delight ourselves in the Lord and we come close to Him over and over and over, here's what I've experienced in my life, and this is what I believe that Davis is talking about here, and I've seen it in so many other people, is that God will literally begin to change the desires of your heart. What you long for, what you identify, the wisdom of your mind to say, you know what actually would satisfy my soul? What would actually be fulfilling to my life? What would actually be good for my marriage and for my kids and for my future and for my finances, for my career? is what God says. And so the things that I used to long after, I realize I don't really even have a desire for those things anymore because I know they're empty. I know I'll get to the end of it. And, and, and this is what happens when we pursue a life without priorities, is that meaning of life becomes elusive. It, it, you, you never get there. It's like this apparition. You think, I'm just about to get it. And uh, where did it go? It went right, slipped right through my fingers. And over and over this happens to people. I thought that would, I thought this would do it. Well, this next thing will do it. Okay. Oh, that didn't do it either. And. We keep chasing, we keep chasing, but he's showing us when we take delight in the Lord, he gives us the desires, what our heart actually longs for, what we actually hunger and thirst for, the righteousness of God. Jesus later tells us in Matthew chapter 5, in the Beatitudes, the hunger and thirst for the righteousness of God. It's beautiful. As we begin to come close to God, he'll begin to awaken parts of you you didn't even know existed And that comes many times from us being willing to take time to read, meditate on, and let God's Word become a part of our life. Later in the Psalm, Psalm 119, 105, I love how he puts this. He says, your Word, talking about the Scripture, the Word is a lamp for my feet. It is a light on my path. It is a part of your guidance system for my life. It helps to direct me. It helps to clarify for me. It helps to be my true north. And the thing about true north, if you've ever used a compass before, is it doesn't matter what part of the world you live in. It doesn't even matter what time in history it is. Did you know that true north was still true north in 1950 as it is today? It was true north back in 1850 and 1750. And as far back as you want to go, North was always north, right? You can trust it. It's a direction that is not up you know, for a debate. It's it's something that is just there. And, and what's beautiful as we come to know God, come to know His Word, it helps to clarify those things for us. I came across uh, some incredible research recently. Actually, it's a growing body of research that doesn't get published a whole lot, but this one actually came from the Harvard Medical School that talked about people who actually try to live out biblical values that attend church, that live out biblical values and seem to have a sincere faith. It's not just a religious, perfunctory, you know, dutiful, let me check the boxes and get it done, like people that actually like seem to be passionate about this. It's amazing how the research is showing that people that live like that tend to have much lower depression rates That tend to have a lot less occurrences of hopelessness and helplessness, and it's never gonna get any better, which consequently turns into four times lower likeliness to ever attempt suicide. It's really, uh, it's remarkable. And there's lower drug and alcohol abuse, there is uh, greater, stronger family stability, stronger, and more satisfied marriages, stronger, more satisfied. Sex lives in those con- in those contexts. Uh, yeah, hello. Somebody was like, "Hey, I'm taking notes now." Okay, uh, and uh, it it shows greater health and greater longevity. People tend to live longer. It's amazing to see how the research continues to reinforce this idea that God's saying, "Listen, I want the best for you." I'm not. I didn't write these things and put these principles in here and put these commands in here. Just steal your fun and to rob the best stuff of life. I'm trying to open up and release the best stuff of life. But it's always going to be contradictory to the culture that you live in. It's going to be countercultural every single time. So the question is, are we willing to ask the tough questions? Is there alignment and continuity between what we say is a priority and what we're actually living That's such a great question to ask. And here's what I want to do. I want to give you a little exercise that I think could make a huge difference in you being able to clarify and to be able to hone down what exactly uh, is that, you know, uh, lack of alignment between my stated values or my stated priorities and what I'm actually living out. And so, in other words, I want to help you to evaluate your priorities. So, here's what I want to ask you to do. And you don't do it right now, you can do it later, but I just want to give you kind of a tool that I think would be really helpful. Write down your top five priorities. These are your stated priorities, what you say they are, five to 10. Maybe you've got more than five, that's great. You state your five to 10, okay? And you uh, write them down, and maybe if you're, if you're married, sit down with your spouse and just say, hey, here's the things that I think are the priorities around you. What, what, let's talk about it, right? Talk about it. And now I want to give you two questions that I want you to run each of those priorities through. Here's the first one. How do you spend your money? How do you spend your money? Get online and look at your account and look at specifically your discretionary money. I know we all have money that goes to pay bills, right? And you don't get a whole lot of discretion with that. You just have to pay the bills. But there are there is extra money every month that you get to pick what you're going to do with it. And if you say, I love God, like he's number one, as Jesus said. Seek first him, his kingdom, his righteousness. And I love people. I love to help people. And you say, I love God, I love people. But yet there's not a percentage of your income that goes to helping people and being a part of the work of God, which Jesus said, if you love me, help people, right? If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, then love your neighbor. Like that's, those are tied together, this is part of how Jesus taught you express your love to me by expressing your love to your neighbor. Like this is, These go together. And we have to be honest and say, if I don't give anything or it's real intermittent, like it almost never happens or it only happens about half the time, guess what? You have an amazing opportunity right now. You can bring into alignment your lifestyle with what you say is actually important. You can make a change. This is an opportunity to get your priorities into integrity, right? To have I- integrity with what you actually say is important. Did you really live it out. That it really becomes a priority that lives out from your life. And here's the second question. How do you spend your time? Look at your schedule. Do you allocate time for things that you say are actually most important? Sit down with somebody you love and talk about this and and, and, and evaluate the last few weeks, the last month, the last two months. I mean, even just since the first of the year, how are you doing on the things that you say your stated values are most important in your life? This is such an important um, little uh, exercise to do. It's so incredibly important because these two questions right here will determine the veracity of your stated values. If they are legit, if they are actually something you defend, they're something that you choose over and over to keep building this as a value that you're like a, a stabilizing point of your life, then it should hold up against these questions. That if it's not, if you have inadvertently or unawarely, you had built a straw man over here that really, I mean, it's, it sounds good when you tell people, but you really aren't doing it. You need to know. You need to know before people start talking and saying, well, I know she always says that. I know he always says that. But it's the same thing like we're saying about Emperor Charlemagne. He talked a good talk. He pointed at the right verse, but he didn't live it, right? That's not how he lived. If there's this mocking discrepancy, then it confuses people. And it also causes you to miss the meaning that God intended for your life, and your kids grow up with a mixed message, and your grandkids, and your nieces and nephews, and people around you, like, I thought that they prioritized the Lord. I thought they people, but it doesn't seem like they choose that very much. And so, it's just a way to be able to say, I'm going to be conscious about being aligned and consistent, and when your priorities change, you change. So important. That what we state as our priorities are not really our priorities. It's how we behave. It's the priorities that we select with our behavior over and over again. And I want to end with the question, this haunting question from Jesus that Charlemagne was pointing to at the beginning of this message, Matthew 16, 26. What good is it? What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The answer is still nothing. There's nothing anyone can give in exchange for their soul. Nothing is worth it. Take a close look at what you're giving financially and with your time and what you're giving it to. Are you feeding your soul? Are you helping? Are you being a part of what God says this is actually what your heart is hungry for? Your soul is thirsting and di- I mean it is it is malnourished. It needs me, it needs my word, it needs time with me, it needs to slow down. Are you giving it that? Are you willing to, to answer the question: is there a misalignment between your values and how you're living? So important to ask that question and do something about it while you have time. It's an incredible opportunity to make some tweaks to your life. Some of you might mean big shifts to bring it into alignment. Here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me today. Simply saying, Jesus, I commit to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. Show me where I am a walking contradiction. Change me and my priorities today.